Tribal Trails. Today, we're at Big River Bible Camp, which is part of Northern Canada Evangelical Mission. Every summer, many kids come here to camp to learn about Jesus Christ and to have a fun time. Joshua Duick came for a visit, and we had a wonderful chat in our library. He is originally from Fisher River Cree Nation and now lives in Steinbach, Manitoba. Today, Josh talks about his growing up years and working at camp. And we got talking a lot, so it doesn't all fit into one program, so there will be more programs to follow. I grew up in Manitoba. I mostly grew up in care, uh, adoptive and, and foster care. And the area that I grew up in, there was no other, no other Native people, no other Indigenous. The only other uh, Native people were other foster kids. Mm. And so most of my life, I... I really, I, I found it hard to belong anywhere, hmm. really hard to find meaning and, and really belonging. And so I, uh, over the years, um, I would encounter followers of Jesus. I would encounter Christians. And all of those little interactions, they, they, they really built up over time. And, and I, looking back, I know that it was God uh, orchestrating and God calling even even back then. And so I think of a few primary influences in my life. And one of them was, was summer camp, mm. uh, going to Bible camp. There's something something just special about about the the people who worked there. They had something about them that was really uh, accepting of me. Mm. And it didn't matter if I was if I was native or not. It didn't matter where I came from. They just I really felt that they loved, that they loved me and they accepted me. Hmm. And so I, I wouldn't, years later when I was in middle school, a friend from school invited me to, to his youth group in town. And I attended with him. And again, that same quality, that same uh, attribute that I discovered at camp, from Christians at camp, I saw it with the youth leaders. They, they also were accepting and belonging or I felt belonging there. Mm-hmm. And that experience, I kept going, I kept attending the youth group, even though my friend quit going, I, I just kept going. And, and there was something special. It was the highlight of, my, highlight of my week is going for those couple hours to sing and to be with people where I didn't have to feel, uh, you know, on the outside or didn't have to feel less than. Mm-hmm. So growing up in care, did that mean you moved from town to town or were you kind of, did you finally get into somewhere where life was a little more stable? Like when you're talking about youth group, was that because you were in a community that just you were able to attend for years Mm. or, you know, even with summer camp, was that, you know, many different summer camps or was it, you know, kind of in a focused camp? So I, I was, I was adopted. And so I spent most of my time in, in, that, in that home. Uh, there was a few kind of uh, difficulties while I was in elementary where I, where I lived in other, other homes. Um, 
all still in the same same area, Winnipeg or Steinbeck. But uh, so I spent, I went back to that adopted home, and so I, I did spend. I spent most of my time there, and so especially during the era or the time when I would was at attending this youth group, uh, there was quite a bit of at least physical stability in my mm. life in terms of where I was living. And so I'm really thankful that when I hear stories of other, other kids in care, um, I'm really thankful that, well, it's really heartbreaking to hear many of the stories mm-hmm. of the instability of moving around. And, mm-hmm. and, but I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't have that experience. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I kept going to youth and I, um, yeah, found belonging with, with believers there. Near the end of, near the end of uh, high school, then I got into some trouble, uh, and I was looking at quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of consequence for for my actions, mm. and and I had this golden opportunity. The youth group was going on a on a mission trip to Mexico, and so I uh, I'm like, oh, I, I'm really glad nothing happened. But I had this idea I was going to run away. I was going to go with and just disappear on the on route. And my wife and I now have worked with, with young people for, um, since we were adults, the last, uh, you know, 13 or 14 years. And I just can't, I can't imagine the nightmare that that would have caused for the youth leaders then. But that was my plan. That's how I was going to escape. Mm. And so we're driving along uh, to Mexico. Of course, I'm the only native person. Everyone else is non-native and I really feel, <laughs> feel, uh, you know, lonely in, in some ways. And, mm-hmm. but during that trip, again, that same quality that I saw at camp in the counselors there and the same quality I saw at youth, I saw in these leaders who were taking us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm really thankful that the Holy Spirit was working and the Holy Spirit was calling me and protecting me from my myself really Mm. and so thankfully I didn't do anything I didn't run away obviously Mm -hmm. and when I came back we came back to uh well when when the trip was over then I kept attending church so I only attended the church service because that was a requirement to go (laughs) (laughs) but I kept attending and I remember this one this one lunch it was some fun I don't know what it was all I remember is that I was washing dishes after the meal. You know, the church, we ate together a few times a year. And I remember washing dishes, and I was washing dishes beside a, one of, a, I don't even know, I didn't know his name or anything. And I, in that moment, I just felt, I, I belong with these people. Hmm. And, you know, boundaries of ethnicity or denomination, they, they actually didn't matter. Hmm. I had more in common with the people here because they followed Jesus than I did with any other place I had ever experienced in my life. Hmm. And so I made a, I, that's when I made a, a commitment to follow, to follow Jesus and to, and to make a commitment to be with his people. Hmm. And so that was when I was, uh, I guess, 17. Hmm. And I'm really thankful that God has invited us and invited me. I'm really thankful for the grace that he gave me to to, to follow him. And I'm really thankful for his grace working in my life, even long before, long before I acknowledged him. Yeah. Hmm. 
I mean, it's so important. I, I appreciate hearing your story because it, it's that relationship with believers and how, I mean, God's word and, you know, Mark 12, 30 and 31, you know, it says to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind and strength, but to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and I think, you know, that's such simple commandments, but yet so hard sometimes. But when you see people living it out, like you're talking about, like washing dishes beside a gentleman, you know, and I mean, and obviously God's had his hand on your life and camp and youth group and mission trip and different things. But to be standing beside someone and feel that sense of belonging and, you know, and it's maybe not even what that person said, but just mm -hmm. this person, you know, loving, loving his neighbor, you know, which was you uh, drawing, you know, you to to the Lord. That's just a, a cool story. And, and I mean, and, and the little bit that I've got to know you, obviously, you know, I, I've heard lots about you and, and you're reciprocating that, you know, you're loving, you know, the people around you as you work with, you know, at the Bible school. And then, uh, and then I've heard, you know, you've worked at Bible camp as well for, you know, a number of years. Yeah. I, I I really think that's one of the reoccurring themes in, in Scripture. Right from the beginning, one of the first commands God gives Adam and Eve is, you know, to fill the earth. God's plan from the beginning was that his people were to, to fill the earth. Of course, Adam and Eve disobeyed. And, and in fast-forwarding to, to after the flood, one of the first commands God gives Noah and his family is to fill the earth. Mm -hmm. And of course, the pattern of sin continues. And going to the Tower of Babel, the people gather so that they don't... So they won't be scattered, and, and God scatters them. And, and when the people come, when God uses Moses to bring the people out of Egypt uh, in Exodus 19, he tells them that you, if you obey me, then you're going to be a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a special people for me. And I, I just see, when I read the New Testament, I just see so many uh, echoes of the Old Testament, that God's plan all along was that His people were to fill the earth and that His people were to be uh, examples of what it looked like to be in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And of course, over the, you know, the next 1,500 years or, or whatever it was, the people constantly disobeying and, and, and rejecting that, that invitation from God and living for themselves and, until, of course, until Christ came. Finally, someone who when we looked at it, we could actually see God because he is God. Mm -hmm. And it's just a, that theme of uh, people filling the earth continues even after Christ. I, I love what First Peter says, or Peter says, he says that now you, you know, the followers of Jesus, you, you are a chosen people, a special possession, mm -hmm. a royal priesthood. Um, and, and so that, you know, that mission, that, mandate that God had all along with that his people were to fill the earth continues. And so I'm, I'm just so thankful that, that there were faithful people who were rubbing shoulders with me and faithful people who were interacting with me, mm -hmm. faithful people who, even though I didn't know it then, when I looked at them, then I saw Jesus. Mm. And so uh, just an incredible invitation that you know the creator of the universe that the, the almighty god would invite us mm -hmm. into that and, and and trust us and so mm. yeah yeah it's so cool god is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son jesus christ our lord 
And so then uh, somewhere in, in your life journey, uh, you met your wife. And I know you guys have uh, done a lot of ministry together as well. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so we have, we've worked at uh, Bible Camp. We've worked uh, about 10 years at Bible Camp, uh, at two different camps. And we just love, we just love Bible Camp. Uh, you know, it's, both of us would acknowledge that those are the, the introduction to who Jesus was, was mm -hmm. at Bible Camp, experiencing Jesus through his people. Mm -hmm. And so Bible Camp, summer camp has just been so influential in our lives that we just, we've always wanted to be part of camp. Mm. Uh, we sometimes joke that if you like, if you, if we get cut, you'll probably see like camp bleed out of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so valuable for us. And so we, we worked some summers uh, at camp and then we also were full time at a camp in Manitoba. We did that for seven, uh, just our seven years in various roles and uh, yeah, we, the greatest thing, I th well, not the greatest thing, but one of the great highlights of camp is walking alongside staff who, for many of them, it's really the first time when they're deciding for themselves, is, mm -hmm. is Jesus worth following for me? Mm -hmm. A lot of young staff, um, in particular at the camp that we worked at, um, came from Christian homes. Mm. Um, and so, you know, they had always grown up th with with the gospel and grown up with kind of a, the expectation that I'm, I'm a Christian because I've been born into this tradition. Hmm. And so camp, especially at the young adult years when they're on staff, really figuring out for themselves, really the first time of, is Jesus worth following? Hmm. And so the highlight of working and doing ministry at summer camp was discipling and walking alongside young people as they discern and as they choose. Mm -hmm. And it's really... It's been really hard. It's really hard to watch people that you love. Mm -hmm. um, some of them choose, actually, you know what? It's not for me, and mm -hmm. to walk away. And those are really hard stories and really hard to watch now as, um, you know, as life goes on. But, but thinking of all the stories and all of the wonderful privilege it has been to see God work, mm -hmm. to see God develop and see God call and gift people. And, and now to see many of them are, are married. Some of them have children and mm -hmm. still walking with the Lord is just I consider it one of the great privileges of my life is to have just like this tiny, 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 <laughs> tiny, maybe influence. Um, yeah, and so. You run, you hide, as tears fall from your eyes, they fall like snow from a wounded soul. You hold. The hurt of great divine The hole is starting to get old So come back to the light, to the love you'll find It's been here all along So come back to the start in your heart you'll find That you always belong to me We can start again Our life, our hope I'm ready to explode 
really wonderful to see that Joshua wants to help young people to overcome the obstacles that he also experienced in his life. It's so important to feel that you belong somewhere. As we heard from Joshua, there are reasons why you might not feel you belong anywhere. But don't give up. Listen to Joshua as he shares from God's Word what really matters. If you have any questions, call us. We'd love to hear from you. I wonder if any of you have ever been in a situation where you felt like you didn't belong. Maybe you felt like you weren't valued or that there was no place for you. When I reflect on my life as a kid to teenager, that's how, what I experienced. That's how I felt. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. The only other Native people I knew were other foster kids or other adopted kids. And, and we all had this struggle of who are we, where do we belong, and how do we identify. I remember coming to this one home, arriving there, and the kids who lived there were all curious about me. and They came and asked me just a whole pile of questions to figure out who I was and where I was from. You know, they had some ideas of what maybe Native people were like from movies or from storybooks, and so they asked me all sorts of crazy questions. No, did I come from the forest? Did I live in a teepee? And I said, no. Like, well, where are you from? Do you have a special name? And I said, no. And then they're like, huh. I guess you don't really belong anywhere. And that, those words really stuck with me. And they carried them with me. Didn't really belong anywhere. And so I struggle with my whole life with how to identify. Who am I? And so I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that God called me. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit was working inside me. And I'm really grateful that I was given grace to respond. And so I'm really encouraged by the words of John. From John chapter 1. This is what he says. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so that's Jesus, the true light. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So John is saying is that that God who created everything came into the creation. He He became flesh. He was born and he also, came to the, he also came to his people, the people who he had made a promise with, a covenant with, centuries, thousands of years earlier with Abraham and his descendants. He was born of the tribe of Judah, long promised in the prophets, and yet his own people did not recognize him. And then John goes on to say, he says, yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. These are powerful, powerful words. And when I became a follower of Jesus, I realized that my identity doesn't primarily lie within any ethnicity, doesn't primarily lie with any nationality 
But my identity primarily is found in Jesus. It's primarily found in what he has done for me. It's primarily done with what he has called me to and invited me into. And the words that John uses here, he says, the right to become the children of God. The right. It's incredible. To all who believe in his name, regardless of their background, regardless of where they came from, regardless of the gods that their ancestors worshipped, to believe in the one true God, to believe in the Lord Jesus, he says, all those have the right to become the children of God. The book of Romans says something similar in the eighth chapter. Paul writes this. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And I think to understand this passage just a little bit better, we need to look into the world that this was written in. This was written about 2,000 years ago. And adoption was much different in Paul's day than it is today. Today, adoption usually happens when there's a needy child or a child who has been displaced for some reason, a child who needs a home. Many of the people who adopt, adopt in response to either a calling or, or a need. Unfortunately, many of those situations are not good. But that's not the type of adoption that happened when this was written. You see, in the days when Paul was writing, in the days that Jesus lived, Sometimes there would be wealthy landowners or estate owners, merchants and business people who would have no children. And so what would happen is if they would die, their name would be lost. When they would die, all their possessions would be maybe passed down to one of their servants. But their name, their legacy, and everything that they did in life would be lost. And so these Wealthy merchants and landowners and estate owners, they would look for someone that they could adopt, someone that they could give their name to and all their possessions to. And so families who were poor or middle class or any family really, they would train their sons in ways that they, the best that they could afford, they would train them. They would educate them the best that they could afford. So that just maybe, just maybe one of these wealthy landowners would see their son and want to adopt them. And when it, if a boy or if a son was adopted, this happens in a culture where primarily possessions and lands and titles and names were passed through, uh, through males. Um, but the, the truth of scripture is, is that in the same way that these wealthy landowners would look for someone to pass their possessions to and, and give their name to. That's what God wants to do for us. And he wants to do it for everyone, not just sons, but sons and daughters. You see, in the story or in the example that Paul gives, you know, it's God 
It's God looking for someone that he can give his name to. It's God looking for someone that he can share his glory with. Paul even writes, he writes that, that the children of God who have been adopted are heirs of God. And he even says, co-heirs with Christ. It's an incredible thing. And I just think of, I think of my story. I think of coming from a, a, a place where I didn't really know where I belonged. I didn't know where my allegiance was. I didn't know how to identify. And I think of the hope that I now have. The hope that God has adopted me as his son. The hope that God wants me to bear his name. The hope that I am now an heir of God. And the incredible, the incredible invitation and the incredible opportunity exists for all people. And it doesn't matter where you have come from. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a stable home. God wants you. It doesn't matter if you came from an unstable home. Or perhaps, perhaps you're like me and you didn't feel like you belonged anywhere. Or that you feel like you belong anywhere right now. God wants you in his family. He wants to give you a, his name. And he wants you to be an heir in his kingdom. The response, the response, my friends, is up to you. I know it is to cry. Here today, I'd have to die. Looked around, but I could see. In the early morning light Came to me a brand new sight When his love came sweeping over me I feel it in the morning dew Make the grass look like new See a touch a heart and when I look around and see, Lord, it comes to me. Your love just like diamonds in the rain. Seen a day I couldn't cry. Seen a day. I'd rather die Wish there was a day I could be free But when I saw A light break through Giving life I never knew When his love came sweeping Over me When I look 
Lord, it comes to me. Your love, just like diamonds in the rain.